0: Good morning and happy Christmas to you all. And uh, we've got three readings this morning. There are two one-verse readings from the Old Testament, and then the third reading is uh, from Matthew's Gospel, uh, referring to the Magi's visit. So our first one is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 15. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Now turning to Hosea, Hosea 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. third reading is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 18, The Visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen.
1: Uh, It's wonderful to see everyone this Christmas morning. Um, I'm going to bring a message as briefly as I can make it. That's the mandate I was given. It's a brief message for Christmas Day. And I've called this Celebrating... The truth in truth. Today is about celebrating the truth of what we know, because if we did not know this and believe this, the birth of our Lord and Savior to be the truth, we will not be here this morning. I'll just tell us a story, something that's true. Um, I've been talking about... um, the fact that I've been doing a lot of recruitment for my team in my office and helping other teams with their recruitment as well because my organization is expanding and um, so I have a new adjudicator, a new team member who um, usually when they do their first few cases, we have to sort of mentor them through it. Um, They have to give us what they call their direction of investigation. And when you've looked at it um, and you're satisfied with it, or if you're not satisfied, you will give them pointers, um, show them where it hasn't quite gone the right way, and then they go over that and then produce the report, which is a decision on the case we're dealing with. So on this, um, for this case, this new team member had given me her direction of investigation. And she was supposed to be um, better acquainted with the case file than myself because she's, she has to read the entire file before telling me where she thinks the case is going. And so on the basis of what she had told me, I looked at what she sent, made some corrections, and told her to go ahead. Well, when she began to do the actual report, she saw that there was um, further issues, further facts that challenged her approach, her direction. So what she did was simply to remove from um, her actual report the paragraphs that meant that if she carried on in the direction that she wanted to go to, there will be a problem with her decision. So she sort of um, she sort of put the case together to fit the direction she was going to because it was more convenient than changing her direction and writing a bigger report. When I began to check the case, then I had to look at the case file to make sure that what we had in the report matched up with the information we had, the facts, the evidence, and it didn't. I essentially rewrote the report, and then I had a talk with her, and I said, we don't do this. We don't make our decision fit where we think we are going. Our decision can only be fair if it takes all the facts into cognizance. It doesn't matter how many times you have to do a U-turn, a turnaround, but we must give the right decision. People come to us because they feel they haven't gotten the right decision. That's about truth. Another story about truth is when, when, when um, Sharon was not quite three, we got her a book, Daniel and the Lion's Den, and she couldn't quite read, so we had to read it to her. When we read the story, we will say, we'll read it as it was, and we all know where the story ends. If you don't know, you can meet me after service we will talk about where that story went, but when she tried to read the story for herself, which she tried to do frequently, she would always end with the lion at Daniel, and um, it was convenient for her because as a child, that's what lions do. What's the fun in a lion's story if he doesn't eat a person? And so she would always end it that way. It didn't matter what we had read to her before. It was easier for her as a child who could not read to make the story end the natural way. And that's the thing about Christmas. We have seen um, these very familiar verses which we read time and again from Math- Matthew 2, 1 to 18. If you read through that and if you, if you read that, um, these verses, And you look at the verses, so we have um, verses from the Old Testament where prophecies were made, where these verses actually came from. So it was saying in Matthew's account, he was trying to show how everything that happened had already been prophesied. Some of us hear about people like Nostradamus and people who have predicted things that would happen. And if you read carefully, you would find out that many times people have to try to make the events fit those predictions. If you look at them as they are, they don't quite fit. But we try, not us, but those who want to make these people seem um, like something more than they are, will try to make the story fit. That's the difference with the Bible. These words have been prophesied and they happened as they were prophesied. If we look at Matthew 2, 6, it was prophesied in Micah by prophet Micah 5, 2, and 4, talking about Bethlehem being the place, small clan in Judah, out of which it says one who will rule over Israel, and his origins are from of old, from ancient times. Even if you don't know your pedigree, you could say your, your origins are of old. None of us dropped like that. We do have origins of old, but there's a difference with Jesus. His lineage came from before time. It was. He is the Word, the Word of God. He is God. So it's different. His origins are beyond our origins. And yet he came through this little clan in Israel, as was prophesied. If we go on to Hosea, Matthew 2.15, this was from Hosea 11.1, 1, when he talked about calling Israel, He said, when Israel was a child I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. Of all nations, why Egypt? And we know the story of how the Lord had to go to Egypt. His family had to take him to Egypt to escape um, the anger of Herod, who wanted to kill the child. And then further on, Matthew 2.18 um, was spoken about Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31.15, the voice in Ramah, the weeping of Rachel weeping for her children because there were no more. All of this came together at the time of the birth of the Lord. If we move on, there are a few more prophecies in the Bible Regarding the Lord, there are several prophecies about so many other things that have come to pass, but specifically about the Lord. That the nations were blessed through Abraham's lineage, and that's Genesis 12:3. I'll just wish through all of those. God's covenant with Isaac's ancestors. Remember, at the time Isaac, it was not known how this was going to happen in Genesis 17:19. So, first of all, going back to Abraham. We know that Abraham was an old man who had no child of his own. And we can see that even when um, Ishmael was born, the Lord said, that is not the child of promise. That's not the child I promised, and Isaac had to come. And so much was said ahead of the appearance of what looked like an impossible dream. The virgin will give birth, and he'll be called Emmanuel, Isaiah 714. And then uh, Psalm 85 to 6 that says the Messiah will be humbled in order to serve mankind. We know that the story became, um, uh, it became a terrible and painful story for the Lord to die for us, for our salvation. All of these things have been said long before. But why am I talking about why is today the celebration of truth? Why am I going over all of this? Truth is central to our faith. Because the Lord dwells and works in truth. The Lord does not try to panel beat a situation to get a result. He dwells in truth. What the Lord says comes to pass. What he requires of us does not change. The Lord says, forgive your enemies. He means exactly that. There are no shortcuts, no cutting corners. The Lord dwells in truth. James 1.18 says that he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Our very existence was based on truth. He spoke the word, and it came to pass. He spoke about our salvation, how it would happen, and it came to pass in the way he, uh, in the way he said. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So it was the word that became flesh. The Lord Jesus came in the flesh. He did not come, he did not, he did not bypass the natural processes other than the fact that he was the son of God and was not born from the seed of man. But he was born as we are born. And he was a baby and grew as we grow. He went through all the things that we go through and experience. The Lord speaks truth. He does truth. He dwells in truth. And so today we celebrate that truth because it's, it's about a certainty that we can take him at his word, whatever our current situation might be. And why is it important to celebrate this truth? Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. But the question is, are we buying or selling the truth? Um, It's important that we celebrate the truth because firstly, of the times we live in, they are critical times. And we cannot ignore the evidence that the times we live in are actually critical times. If you work in, if you're still working at this time, even if you're not and you're in touch with people in establishments and businesses and in, and you know many individuals who do not believe. It used to be that everyone ordinarily would say at this time, Merry Christmas. Have you observed that there's an increase in people choosing to say happy holidays, businesses saying um, enjoy the festive season, the festive period. Happy festivities, whatever, anything but Merry Christmas. It's dwindling. I'm noticing that in my workplace. I'm noticing that on on TV, on the commercials, on everything. Many establishments are actually kicking against the use of the word Christmas. And conversely, there are more Christians, I have more Christian friends sending messages to non-Christian friends when they do whatever other celebration they have, to Muslims, to um, Hindus. More Christians do not see any problem with helping their, Christian, their non-Christian colleagues to celebrate pagan festivals. It wasn't the case in the past, but now it feels like if I don't do it, I'm not being inclusive. These are critical times. We know about the census results of the UK and what the consequences are of people in establishments saying, well, if we are no longer a majority Christian country, then we have to tear down all of these things. There are These are critical times. Truth is under attack, and we need to be conscious of that fact. And so when we celebrate the truth, we do it in truth. We don't do, uh, we we don't um, make our celebrations fit in with what is convenient, like my new team member who wanted to make her decision convenient. The truth makes you free, in spite of your trials, You will triumph and will not be overwhelmed if you know the truth. It's like knowing the end of a story. If you're watching a movie, and let's say you're watching a series, and um, you stopped partway, and then you jumped a few, and you watched the the later bits. And then sometime you decided to watch the bits you had messed out. Then you begin to get worried about something developing there, and then you say, but I know it worked out well because I saw the end of this. I saw beyond this. We are privileged to know that the Lord has triumphed over all. So whatever we are going through right now, with the truth under attack, we we know it sets us free. And so we don't think about self-preservation. We celebrate the truth. And how do we celebrate the truth? We speak the truth, testify at every opportunity. Don't be afraid to discuss difficult issues of faith with your children, with other children who come your way. Each of our children have had to defend their, their belief. At some point in university, I'm talking about my three, said here. At some point or the other, they've had to defend what they believe. They've had to speak up for their faith. If you don't do the groundwork now, you may be leaving your children as prayer to the enemy. We need to speak up to help our children understand so that they can testify, give. Giving is another way of celebrating the truth. We can actually um, resist the urge to spend on me and think of the ways that I can spend on others, on those in need. It is not about presence, it is about his presence. We need to think that today, it could be more. We, we can't begin now to teach the, the young ones that it's more about celebrating the Lord and what we, what, what we get or what he gives us is minimal. It should, it, comes, it, it should be on a lower scale of a level of priority. The Lord's presence should be our greatest craving today. And I will lastly say how to celebrate the truth is to worship him in every circumstance. Not dwelling on the losses, but on his goodness. And so Lord, we are here, bowing down, lifting our hands and worshipping you. Even if it isn't easy on this Christmas day, even if there are sad memories or anything that makes us feel that all might not be well. But because we know you are the truth, we celebrate the truth. And therefore, Lord, today we say thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for a day like this. Because, Lord, we know that ultimately your truth will triumph. We ask that you help us, Lord, no matter what we we meet up with, that we will speak your truth. And your truth will not be overcome by the darkness around us. But instead, Lord, will be your agents of truth wherever we are this Christmas day and going forward. In Jesus' name, amen.